Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And let's read for a few moments here. Psalm 51, I'm going to overview the passage of scripture. Uh, tonight, really want to deal with this matter of a personal prayer or a prayer for personal revival, a prayer of personal revival. And so let's deal with this, Psalm 51, a familiar psalm, but nonetheless, I believe we can gain a lot of truths from it that would help us tonight, a prayer of personal revival. Let's read the first six verses of this, uh, and let's do this. Let's read every other verse. I'll read verse number one. You read out loud, good and loud, verse number two. Uh, I know it's the middle of the week, but you can, uh, you can lift up your voices and read in that way, and, so, and then I'll go on with verse number three and so on. So the Bible says this, have mercy upon me. I should really start back. God put in the introduction there. Uh, and it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he'd gone into Bathsheba. Verse number one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me against thee thee only have i sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest behold i was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. And then notice verse number seven how he says this, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Father, would you guide our time in your word tonight? Help us to capture this revival prayer that you gave to David and uh, have have put it here for us all these many years later. You've preserved it for us. You wanted us to be able to study and read this, and to gain, uh, gain information from it, gain truth, and gain direction from it. So help us, Lord, as we look forward to some days where we're just setting our hearts before you and asking you to speak to us. We want revived lives, and so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's be seated. So uh, this evening, as we look at Psalm 51, you understand the context is that of David having sinned a great sin, a great public sin against God, first of all, and uh, against Bathsheba and against the, uh, the nation of Israel. He brought them trouble to them through, um, through this whole sin. In fact, there was, uh, there was some consequences because of that. But as we think about this Psalm 51, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he had 
killed Uriah through a military command. And uh, I believe there's probably others that, that were killed as they ran up to the wall. And uh, at least others were endangered. And just reminds me that when we are sinning and we're focusing in on sin, that many times we don't count the cost of what it's doing to others. And, and I, I was reading through that not too long ago and just realized how, how careless David was about the lives of so many men. As he said, run up to the wall. That was a, a foolish military move. And he did not care about that. Uh, because he was trying to cover up his sin and kill Uriah, uh, one of his mighty men. And so he tried to hide it, and you know, he tried to hide it for months. Uh, they, they just, just being frank, uh, they didn't have a, a pregnancy tests down at the store. Uh, they had to wait a little bit of time. And so it was, it, was, it was some time, weeks, and may have been month, two months before uh, she, was, she was just realizing, hey, this is a, an actual thing. And so there was some time involved here. Well, David is still continuing to hide and go on as if there's no problem at all. Go on acting like, hey, I haven't done anything. Hey, I've, I've, escaped the, uh, I've escaped being found out about this sin. And so this is the context that we find this passage in. Uh, the, the man of God, Nathan, had come to him under God's direction. And uh, hey, uh, gave him a story. Remember a little bit of that story. He uses the illustration of a, a poor man in town with uh, with a lamb that had grown up with him at his table since you know since uh, uh, since his birth, and he, it was his pet, and this was something he cared for. And yet, uh, a, a rich man in town, uh, when he had guests coming into town, takes a poor man's little lamb and uses it for dinner for his guests. And he says, hey, what do you think about this, David? And well, this man really, I mean, this man needs to, to suffer the full consequences. And he says, thou art the man. Thou art the man. You can imagine, I mean, just the blood draining out of his face. Thou art the man. And so he's confronted. But you know the amazing thing about David is he responds to the Lord in these moments. He responds when God points the finger of conviction into his life and he responds. You know, the Bible says that he's a man after God's own heart. David did not sell himself as the man after God's own heart. God, God was the one that titled David as the man after God's own heart. Uh, he was the one that recorded him in Scripture as that, and partly, I believe, because of how David responded to God. He had a heart that was tender to God. And even in this, this sin that was very grievous and, and affected a lot of people and even brought about murder of, of one of his mighty men, he still was responding to God and his desire was now, I want to be right with God again. I want to be right and not just right uh, on the surface, but I want to be right with God again truly. And so uh, as we see in this psalm, it, David writes out his prayer to God. His prayer of, I want to be back in right relationship with God, not just in the surface, but on the, on, the, uh, on the inside. I want to be fully cleansed. I want to be fully right with God. Now, I want us to realize as we look here at the first part of the psalm, David saw God, yes, as holy God. Uh, he is my God. And he prayed to him as, as, as his God. But do you notice that he says, uh, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Yes, my God is holy and he requires the consequence of sin and he requires that sin be dealt with. But he saw him as an enduringly 
uh, merciful God that would, uh, would be kind to him as he would respond in repentance and uh, would respond in wanting to get right. And so here he sees God in this way. Yes, David goes on to understand and, and spell out very clearly, I'm, I've sinned, I've messed up, I've done wrong. Uh, he wasn't hiding it anymore. He wasn't trying to skirt around it. He wasn't trying to blame anybody anymore. He, he squarely knew this is my sin. I own it. And I, I am coming to my holy yet all-merciful God. Uh, I want it to be right. And really, David wanted to be revived. He wanted to be renewed. Revival uh, is not a mystical term. And sometimes we think of it as some mystical concept. It'll zap you. And, and revival is being right with God. Revival is being in a renewed vibrant dynamic relationship with god and every every one of us needs to be there and every one of us is going to have times where we need to be revived uh, we want to live in revival we want to live in a in a refreshed renewed just vibrant relationship with jesus christ but there are times let's just all face it we no matter where you are in your christian journey if you've been saved 20 years, five years, it doesn't matter where you, uh, how long you've been saved in your Christian journey. We're going to need to be revived. And we need to understand that and realize that. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, well, God makes provision for the restoration of a man right there in, in Galatians. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. There's, there's that need for revival. C.H. Spurgeon said, revival begins by Christians getting right first, and then it spills over into the world. It, it starts right here, me being right. I got to be right. But what does it take? What does it take for a David to be right with God? What does it mean to, to come to God and, and seek his presence, seek that restoration, seek that reviving presence in our, our lives? Notice what happens in his life. He prays a prayer, first of all, of personal ownership. I'm going to own my own sin. But we live in a day where we want to blame everyone else for sin. We want to blame everyone else for our problems. We want to blame shift it. And that's as old as the Garden of Eden. We want to blame and constantly blame. But do you notice here in verse number 1 and 2 that David uses multiple personal pronouns saying, hey, it was me. Now he's first coming to him and saying, have mercy on me. I'm the one in need of mercy. I'm the one that, that needs your favor in this situation. I'm the one that needs you to, uh, to give me what I do not at all deserve, or I should say to withhold that judgment, the, uh, the fierce judgment that I do deserve, I, the consequences that I do deserve. Have mercy upon me. And then notice he says, my transgression, wash me from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Four times David owns his problem friends something that we have to do again i can't underscore this enough no matter where we are in our christian journey we have to be very good as children of god are we all children of god here tonight right so as children of god no matter our age no matter our experience as children of god we got to own our sin we got to own when we're wrong before him. We got to own that attitude issue. We got to own the anger. We got to own the lust. We got to own whatever it is that we have, we have gone against God and we have to own it. Now, I find it interesting here that, that David specifically goes down into the types of sin. He says, My transgression. He goes, Wash me from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I, I heard someone talk about transgression, the idea of going beyond, uh, breaking the law, going beyond, going too far. God said, don't go there. 
I broke the law. I went beyond. Sin is transgression. It's breaking of the law. Uh, the idea of iniquity, this premeditated sin, determining I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I, I have a chance. I've I, I thought about it, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to call her to my place, and I'm going to do this. And then sin falling short. He says in all these ways, in every, from every angle, I sinned against God. And in every way, I own my, my sin. So revival cannot come to our lives when we're still making excuses. Revival cannot come to my life if I'm still blame-shifting. Someone else is the problem. I can't be in a renewed, refreshed relationship with God if I'm, I'm looking to my spouse, but she's the problem. Or if I'm looking to another church member, I, I wouldn't be bitter but for them. Uh, revival cannot come to my life as long as I do not own my own sin. Think about Saul and think about David. Think about the difference between these two individuals. Saul is a man that was looking, well, the people brought back the sheep. They were supposed to kill all the Malachites, but the people brought back the sheep. They want to use them for sacrifice. And, and, and they, they, this was their idea, not me. Just please go and, 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 and make it all right so we can worship in front of the people together. Saul had no desire at all to own his sin. God had given him the responsibility to go kill all the Amalekites, and he, uh, as a leader, chose not to. He disobeyed, and therefore, uh, he sinned against God, but was not willing to take the responsibility for it. David here was willing to take the responsibility for it. And there's the tale of two men. Two men that God wanted to use, God put in a place to use, but they chose not to. And they, they made their choices, one making excuses, the other saying, you know what, I'm done. I, I receive it. I own this. Personal ownership in David's life was key to him being revived and restored before God. But notice there was also humble confession. In verses 3 through 6, we find him saying, For I acknowledge my transgression. Let's say that together. For I acknowledge my transgression. One more time. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. I acknowledge it. Acknowledge simply, I know it, and I'm now confessing it. I acknowledge it, confesses the idea to say the same thing as. He wasn't sugarcoating it. He wasn't saying, hey, this was just a, a little, um, this was a little bit of a bad decision. Or as sometimes we say, it, it was a mistake. You know, it was just a, it, it, I, I, I just, I, I kind of made a bad decision. No, no, no. He says, I, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before, the, um, before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He is getting very specific and he's laying out to God what God had convicted him about through the, the message and the confrontation of Nathan the prophet. He is now saying back to God, that's true. That's true. Friends, we got to get really good about, if we want to be in a right relationship with God, we got to get really good about saying to the Holy Spirit, yep, you're right. You're right. I did do that. That wasn't a cross word. That was a wrong thought. That was a disobedience when I didn't witness. That was a disobedience when I didn't encourage that fellow member. That was an, an, uh, a word that didn't build up. That was a faithless word. By the way, let's just, let's just stop by the, uh, about that for a second. Do you know that Psalm 78 talks so much about the unbelief of the children of Israel? And much of it is they had forgot what God had done in the past, and they went on acting like none of that had ever happened, and they, a they acted like God couldn't, and they limited God. Do you know God 
dealt with them so severely about their unbelief. How many times do we say unbelieving statements to one another or in our hearts and we act like it's no big deal to the Holy Spirit? We act like it's, we act like it's not a sin. Do you know it's a grievous sin? And when the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, that was a faithless word, you just, you just helped another person uh, not be encouraged in their faith, but you discourage them in their, their faith, that was a faithless word. How, how about it in our lives? I acknowledge, Lord, that was faithless. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And he acknowledged, he acknowledged it before the Lord. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Without the confession, there is no, there is no cleansing. There's no going on because God is waiting for us to confess, to say the same thing as. And, you know, I've had times with our children where we're waiting for them just to admit, hey, I was wrong. And then we can get the forgiveness. We can, we can go on. But God is waiting for that. Isaiah 57, verse 15. The Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, the one that inhabits eternity, whose name is, do you remember? Holy. Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a, uh, of a contrite and humble spirit. And what does he do there? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So this is the one whom God is near is the one who is humble in his heart, is humbly confessing back and broken his heart. Yes, I have sinned. I acknowledge it was a transgression. I acknowledge, I acknowledge whatever you're saying to me. I acknowledge it, Lord. There is no revival without confession. There is no revival without confession with saying the same thing as. We have to get brutally honest with God. We have to be willing to say the same thing as what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And friends, we can have a respectable sense we can have a respectable sense that no one frowns at even inside of church. But I'll just underscore it again. We're, we're in, a, in, a, in a year where we're saying Jesus Christ is the conqueror. And he wants to give us victory and triumph over every sin and over every obstacle that hinders us from fully obeying the will and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And any time that we say he doesn't have this when he really does, I'm telling you, we deal with this matter of faithlessness so often. We don't want to put our foot in the water. We don't want to go forward. We don't want to believe that God can, can provide when he says give. We don't want to say, hey, God, God wants to add to his church. We, we're so afraid to go forward when we say faithless things. Friends, that is sin before a holy God. We need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge him. I've been faithless. It was R.A. Torrey that gave this prescription for revival he said it's going to bring revival to any church or any community. He says, first, let a few Christians, they need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. This is of prime essential. If this is not done, the rest uh, that I will say uh, will come to nothing. Second, let them bind themselves together to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. That's what we intend to do and I hope that you have been seeking God, and I hope that's not just a thing we do around revival, but you're seeking God for revival in your heart, and in, uh, in your church, and your family, and your nation. But we're going to do that this Saturday night, minute nine, right here in the auditorium. Third, let them, sell, uh, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for him to use as he sees fit in the winning of others to Christ. That is all. This is sure to bring revival to any church or community. I've given this prescription around the world. 
It has been taken many times by many churches and communities, and in no instance has it ever failed. It cannot fail. We get right with God, we bind together in prayer, and we seek to win the lost. Friends, this is important, this matter of being right before God. Do we realize how important? We go into this this week. If you or I, any one of us sitting here, I'm not talking to the people that aren't here. You and I are here tonight. God told me to build up those who showed up, right? Right now, if we're harboring sin in our lives that the Holy Spirit is saying, yes, you, we have to deal with it in our lives. This church needs us to be right with God. And so it is, we must make humble uh, confession just like David. But there was this personal ownership, that that confession. But notice David goes further because it's not just a public confession a public getting right. I just want God to forgive me and so I can move on. David goes deeper than that. It it wasn't just, I want to hear God say, I forgive you. I want to hear the person say, I forgive you and then move on. David wanted personal inner cleansing. Notice here in verse number seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David is not asking for a shower. He's asking for an internal cleansing of his heart. He's asking for an internal mind cleansing. He is asking for God to bring a purity of mind, a a joyful heart back, a clear conscience. I need God to do a supernatural internal work. He did not just be wanting to be forgiven externally and on the surface issues, just kind of a surface getting right with God. No, he wanted God to go much deeper. He wanted the issue to be dealt with. He wanted a full cleansing. Do we desire a full cleansing tonight? Do we desire on God to do a full work in our hearts? God, go all the way. And we can clean our outside. We can wash our hands. We can wash our hands a lot. We can wash our bodies every single day, but only God can clean the body. And so I find here that David is asking God to clean him on the inside. True revival goes deeper than just surface issues and public issues. It goes to the core of us. It goes to us being right before God in our inner man. Did you notice what David said? He, he said that God desires truth in the inward parts. Did you look at verse number six? Behold, thou desirest truth. I, God desires genuine, uh, genuineness, a sincerity in the inward part. Just between me and him. What he sees and no one else sees. He desires truth there. He desires the hidden parts to be walking according to wisdom, to be applying truth in a right way. And so it's important that we seek God for that inner cleansing. God, I want you to go all the way. I know that I have your forgiveness, but I want, I want this sin to be purged out of my heart. I don't want to be thinking those thoughts anymore. I want a pure heart. I want you to go all the way on the inside. True revival goes far deeper than surface issues. Did you notice here what he says in verse number 12? He says, restore the joy. Now think about this. We know as New Testament believers, the fruit of the Spirit is love, Help me. Joy, right? We understand that when we're in right relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we're yielded to him, we're not quenching him, there's going to be joy. It's an automatic byproduct of a right relationship with God. So here, I want you, I want you to so cleanse me that my joy comes back. Now, he did not say, restore to me my salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Okay, he wasn't asking to get resaved again. 
And there's plenty of that teaching that goes on where we have to get resaved and resaved every time we, we, no, 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 no. He's asking, I want a restoration of what you gave me in the first place. <laughs> if they're in a picture of revival right there, I don't know what is. This is what it is. I want you to restore my joy. So there's personal ownership. I own my sin. There's confession. Here it is, Lord. I'm not hiding anything. I, I, I own it. Here it is. There is this, this desire for inward cleansing. I'm not trying to just be surface with this. I want you to go all the way. I want you to drill down deep. And you know what? I have no doubt there's going to be some services over the next couple, uh, couple uh, days that we, where God just drills in deep. And if we'll let him, it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to be a wonderful thing when he drills in and he begins to remove the sin that is in the heart, the wrong thinking, the wrong attitudes, the wrong spirit, that spirit of faithlessness, all those things. He just begins to, to deal with it and bring it out. Friends, it's going to be an amazing thing. And so let's go all the way with God. But revival goes beyond forgiveness and cleansing. Notice here in verse 13 through 17, he prays a prayer of restored purpose. Now he starts talking to God. This is what I'm going to do. Now here's the amazing thing. When we're right with God, our purpose comes back. This is really, really helpful. How many times do we as Christians wander aimlessly through our Christian life? How many times is that attached to sin in our hearts that we've not been willing to deal with and own and confess? How many times is that attached to the fact that we've not allowed God to go all the way and to purify our hearts? So he prays a prayer of restored purpose. Uh, notice here, he says in verse 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. He's all of a sudden looking, who am I going to help out? Uh, what transgressor am I going to help not make the same mistake I made? Yeah, that's really good. Uh, he goes on, and sinners shall be converted to thee. It's almost like David was concerned about becoming an evangelist uh, again, like becoming a preacher of the good news. He, he says, I'm going to teach them your ways, which was what Israel was supposed to be doing. That's what the kings were supposed to be doing. Did you know that the kings were to be writing down, they were to copy God's, God's word down? That was one of the ways that God would preserve his word. They were to copy their own, their own copy of the word of God, to write it down, and they were to communicate that to others. They were to lead in that way. And so here he's saying, I'm going I'm to get back to my purpose. I'm going to get back to my calling. I'm going to get back to what God has called me to do. I'm going to teach sinners, uh, teach sinners your way. And uh, I'm going to see people converted. Uh, as your word goes forth, your word will work because your word does not uh, return void, which is the same thing we can believe today. His word doesn't return void. And they're going to be converted. Do you realize here that revived people will have a restored interest in the gospel? When we're right with God, we'll have a desire to teach sinners the way to Jesus Christ, the way back to God, and we will see them converted. This is just so amazing. We see it in this Old Testament context, but it wouldn't stop there. Hey, as I get together and as I'm, I'm, I'm driving in my chariot to the other palace, I'm going to be singing it aloud. I'm going to be singing aloud your praises. Do you see that in verse number 14? And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Now notice here, he does not say, my tongue's going to sing aloud of my valleys and all the hardships of the, uh, of the Christian life. All right, so much music gets all focused on us, right? Are you with me? Gets focused on all my problems, I, me, mine, and all me. Hey, he says, I'm going I'm to lift up the righteousness of God. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to praise him with my, my, uh, my voice. And he, he says, he's going to sing aloud. 
He's going to sing aloud. It is right, it is right, it is right for us every time to come in here and sing aloud, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's right to sing in your car. It's right to sing in the shower. It's right to sing wherever you want to sing and lift up a joyful sound to the Lord and praise him for his righteousness. But you know what? What happens? Revival in a heart will cause it to sing. A pure heart sings. A pure heart sings. Uh, Sometimes... A pure heart sings regardless of the voice. Friends, I'm telling you, lift up your voice. Let your heart be pure. Get right with God. Let your heart be pure. Lift up your voice. And then he says this, I'm going to show forth. I'm going to show forth your praises in verse number 15. For thou desirest not sacrifice. And so he goes on to say, hey, you don't desire me just to perform acts of service and acts of sacrifice. You want me to declare you, to glorify you, which is the chief purpose of man. So on all these things, here's David saying, uh, I want to get back to my purpose, and he's praying this out to God. You know, it's right to pray that type of thing out to God. To pray out, this is what I want to do. These are my I wills, as we learned in that on a couple Sunday nights ago about the soaps uh, method of reading the Bible and uh, taking the scripture and writing it down and then observing uh, the scripture and seeing how, what would it look like if I obeyed this in the application? How would this look if I did this tomorrow? And then the prayer, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Here's what, here's, here's what David's doing. This is how I'm going to honor you. This is what I'm going to do with what you've taught me. I'm going to give it back to you. And he's praying it out to the Lord. And then uh, soaps, he's, uh, the last S, he's going uh, to share it. We, uh, we share. And so he's, he's teaching, he's singing, and he is showing forth the praises of God from an arrogant spirit? Absolutely not. From a humble and contrite, broken spirit. I have nothing to prove to anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I sin. I mess up. I have to be revived. I have to be restored. I have to return. I have to repent. And so I am speaking to others. I'm just, I'm just going to point them to God. I'm not going to point them to me. I'm going to point them to God. That's what he's doing. So revival in our hearts, as we're getting right with God, revival restores our purpose, and it clarifies as we pray it out to God. Um, in our prayer time, as we seek the Lord, our purpose becomes more clear. As the Lord just purifies your heart, and encourages you with his forgiveness, our purpose in life becomes more clear. And so how I can uh, encourage you, even as David prayed here, he's praying, here's, here's the purpose. Uh, he's praying according to that purpose that God had given him, and it became clear for him. Notice in, uh, in verse number 18, do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. All right, who's he talking about there, friends? Who's he praying for? Israel? Okay, generally for Israel. And so I want you to know, lastly, in this, this psalm, he wraps it all up with intercession. Intercession. So we started out, I need to be right with God. I own this sin. Uh, I'm confessing it to God. I, I want to be clean on the inside completely. Uh, I want to get back to my purpose. I want to be preaching the gospel. I want to be preaching the ways of God. And then he ends up praying for his own people, praying for the other followers of God. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And I just want us to notice several things here that he says this in this, this prayer of intercession. He says, I want you to show favor to your people. I want you to show favor to your people. I want you to shine your face upon them is the idea. I want you, to, I want you just to bless them. What a good prayer. 
You know when a revived heart is seeking, seeking the good of others from God? Lord, I see that person. I'm not in competition with them. I, I want you to bless them. Lord, I see their, their faults and their flaws, but I want you to bless them. I want you to help them. Isn't that good? It, 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 you know what happens in our hearts when we allow sin to stay there and we don't allow God to clean, uh, clean it out and we don't acknowledge it? We look at other people as in competition and then we also see all the faults and the problems with other people and it just grinds us. Like that becomes our issue. No, that's not David's focus anymore. It's God, would you bless them? Did Israel have problems right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Plenty of problems. But God, I want you to show favor to them. I want you to, to bless them. Notice he says, I want you to give them restoration. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. There's a couple ways that, uh, that we could apply this. But walls, a city without walls, as Nehemiah says in, in chapter 1 and verse number 3, was a city in reproach, a city of shame. Do you know that, that David's sin that he had committed with Bathsheba had brought about the blasphemy of God's enemies upon Israel? Lord, would you restore that? Would you give restoration? Yes, I know that I've hurt your name. I know I've brought reproach, but would you restore your name? Would you restore the walls? Would you bring about that separation from the heathen? Would you bring about that protection from the enemy and all that he wants to do? Would you give restoration again? But then he said, would you receive their devotion or would you find joy in their devotion in that last part of verse 19? Then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, they and, uh, uh, sh uh, shall they offer bullocks upon, notice, thine altar. They're going to offer it according to your ways. And, and Lord, I, I just want you to be pleased. I want you to be pleased. I'm interceding that you would be pleased with their, their worship back towards you, their devotion back towards you as they respond to you. I, I want you to do this for my people Israel. And so his concern is for others. And yes, a revived heart does become very concerned with others. It, it becomes refocused on others again. A sinful heart, one when we're harboring sin, becomes very focused on self. We can't look past ourselves. They hurt me. And all, friends, when we are revived, we can look to others and the needs of others, and we can be praying for them. And so here it is, he's praying that even as they would offer on God's on God's altar. They wouldn't offer according to other, other ways, the enemy's ways, of, or, or the heathen's ways of sacrifice, but on God's altar, according to God's way. I'm reminded John 4, 23, Jesus said that uh, the, the Father must be worshiped in spirit and in truth, and he's praying that they would offer according to God's ways, and that, and that God would be pleased in all of this. He's interceding, so a revived heart, a revived heart intercedes the best. You know, we, think, we talk about intercession and praying for other people, but it's a revived heart that's able to intercede. It's a revived heart that's able to clearly see people's needs and clearly see the problems without, without trying to be the one that, that, you know, changes everything. Sometimes we can try to be the Holy Spirit with people. Are you with me? We can try to be the Holy Spirit with people, and it's really easy to do. Oh, I see that problem. It's always easy to see problems in other people's lives. Here David is... <laughs> fully aware of the problems in his life, yet now he is interceding to God. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. So I want to give us two takeaways as we would consider this tonight. First of all, 
Could I encourage you to remember this, that every follower of God, including you, will need reviving. You may need reviving right now. The likelihood is we all do. But every, every follower of God. David, David is someone we look up to. David was an amazing in, individual. How many of you get encouraged over and over by the Psalms? Have you written, written like this? I mean, David's ama- he wasn't superhuman, but David was an amazing man of God. And he needed revive. If David did, I, I'm certain that I need revive probably more often than I realize. So every follower of God. So let's not pass this off to somebody else. As we pray this week, let's pray that God will give a holy sense, a holy sense to every single member of our church, starting with me, that we need revival, that we need it, that I, that I need it. God, would you help us to develop an I'm the one in the need of prayer. I'm the one in the need of you working in my life. I'm the one, not someone else. And by the way, if we'll have that mentality, we'll come to every surface seeking what God wants to speak to me about, right? And so let's, let's, let's allow that to be the case. But number two, it's not only the big sins from which we need reviving or restoration. It's the sins that no one sees. It's the lustful thoughts. It's the apathetic spirit. It, friend, is a quiet voice when God says, lift up your voice in song and praise. When we, when we close our lips and do not give him the praise that he deserves. It is the, the lukewarmness that creeps into our heart. It's the faithlessness. It's the faithlessness. And friends, listen, the world is full of fear, as I've already mentioned, and there's plenty of unbelief everywhere we look. Plenty of unbelief. I was talking to some uh, few believers and some unbelievers today in a, in a group, and we were talking about how churches just, everyone's just shutting down. You realize the faithlessness in America, how many churches have just said, you know what, we give up. We give up. Okay, There is a babble of faithlessness. Uh, this is this, I don't know, this is just how I've become to describe it. A, a chattering of faithlessness everywhere you look. Well, it can't be done anymore. Can't, we can't do that anymore. There's a chattering of faithlessness even amongst God's people. Do you know what? Even that doesn't seem like it, but even that is something that we need revival from. Oh, do we need revival from? And I, I think sometimes we think it's all, oh, it's the big sins. It's the adultery. It's the pornography. It's the drinking. It's the, it's the big things that we need revival. Hold up. God looks and wants truth in the inward parts. He wants it right here. And so we need restoration, and be, uh, we need to be brought into that right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so just right now, as we would, would close this time together, uh, would we bow tonight and ask the Lord, Lord, I acknowledge to you that I stand in need of revival. I stand in need of revival. And Lord, is there any sin? Is there a big sin? Uh, is there a, little, is there a, a seemingly little sin? that you need to purify and that you need me to confess and be right with you. So let's bow our heads tonight. And, and 
and just ask God in preparation for the, this week, but ask God, God, I, I, I want to be free from any sin. I want to be fully right with you. I, I don't want to just be right on the surface or right in front of other people, but I want to be right with you in the inward parts. Let's talk to the Lord for a few moments here tonight before we move on. Father, thank you for putting David's psalm of confession, restoration in the Bible for us. Lord, we do desperately need you to work in our hearts. And we pray with David as well that you would search us and that you would know us and see if there be any wicked way in us. Lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, you do not just expose sin just for exposing sake, but you do it so that we be right with you. You've created us for relationship, for closeness with you. Lord, I pray that you would draw our our church close, close, close to you, even over these next days, starting this weekend. Lord, uh, tonight I thank you for each person that's here, and I pray that you would do this work in our hearts, even now. Lord, help us to be willing to go all the way with you, as David did, uh, to the point, Lord, that we we would get clarity in our purpose, that we be able to intercede in an unhindered way. So we ask for these things tonight. I pray that you would bless our time of prayer. Also, Lord, we ask for safety uh, as the buses go home this evening. We just pray that you would watch out over, uh, over us. And I do pray as they come to the end of Bible lessons tonight, Lord, that if there's any young person that does not know you as Savior, that you would draw them to yourself in salvation. And we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take time to pray tonight. We'll split up pretty quickly here.